Welcome to Everything Imaginable, a podcast for curious minds. KGRA Radio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm Gary Cacciolillo, your host, and today we have Eric Reigns. <laughs> I got stuck in my head. Uh, from Unleashing Natural Humanity. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. Um, so I was taking a look at your website, and um, you talk about finding these um, parasite implants. What are they? Oh, man, that's a loaded question there. <laughs> uh, so... Well, let's just kind of break down reality a little bit first to, to sure. kind of get a basis of what we're talking about. Um, like if we, if we look at quantum theory, if we look at quantum science, uh, we recognize that, you know, things are a lot more unstable than they appear in the macro world. You know, this is why we're uh, trying to find the theory of everything to, to tie in why the macro acts the way that it does and the micro acts the way that it does and uh, how they actually make each other up. And through this exploration in science, there's a few things that we've come to realize through uh, like the double slit experiment or the, the delayed double slit experiment where consciousness actually starts to interact with the way that um, molecular particulate, uh, it, the properties exist inside of time or outside of time. Uh, and so what they were doing is pretty much just trying to find out if light was a, uh, a particle or a wave. And so they had uh, two slits that they were shooting these particles through and unbeknownst to them and absolutely just flabbergasting these scientists, it started to show the properties of both. It was a particle and a wave. And so they started trying to observe this and just the simple act of observation, it shut it down and they couldn't get a reading or figure out what was going on because it would just be one or the other. Uh, and so what they ended up trying to do was, um, you know, try to figure out what was going on with this, how come everything was interacting this way, and it really opened up a doorway into recognizing that the, uh, the conscious understanding of simple thought can actually change the molecular structure inside and outside of time. Uh, so understanding this, when we start to break down the way that these systems work, we've got, uh, you know, massive macro systems like galaxies that are made up of tiny little stars that are, you know, there's tiny little planets around this, this giant star and on these tiny little planets are other systems, you know, we've got water systems, earth systems, magma systems, you know, and it goes smaller, you know, down into the actual individuals that live on the, uh, the, the planet itself, which are made up of smaller systems like the bones, the muscles, the nervous system, so on and so forth. That goes even smaller. We've got, you know, all the protein chains, the amino acids, the lipids that make up the cellular structure. Uh, and underneath that, we've got the atomic structure. You know, we've got everything that uh, breaks down into protons, neutrons, and electrons. And I mean, we can even go further down into it, into, you know, quarks and gluons and so on and so forth. But I mean, that's kind of extraneous. Uh, but what we know is that there's a pattern. You know, there's always a smaller system that makes up the bigger system. And the bigger you go and the more that you can perceive on these bigger levels, the more that you start to recognize how the pieces fit together. And as you go the opposite direction, it's the same thing. Um, when we start to recognize this, we have to recognize the fact that there is a base. There is something that this is made up of, but it's not physical matter because as we go deeper into it, it stops acting like physical matter more and more and more until it's all... <laughs> You know, it's crazy in the subatomic world. Uh, and mm -hmm. so what we have to start looking at is this base. What is this base? And, uh, you know, this is where consciousness comes in because 
the ability to think, the ability to be conscious. There's a spark of life that animates our molecular structure in a way that, you know, something dead or uh, something that never was living to begin with, it does not have that, that specific energy, that vital life force. And the ability to understand this reality, to uh, perceive it and to, you know, kind of find the way that you fit inside of this space right here, what this does is it allows us to think and feel and, uh, you know, uh, kind of predict the future or have hopes or dreams. And all of these thoughts, all of these conscious interactions inside of this molecular structure, it, it shifts the basis because we understand this already scientifically that just by observing, we can shift the, the state of matter through time. And by going deeper into this, we start to recognize that thought is a, it's a force of energy, the same structure that creates up all of the atomic structure of reality that makes all the bigger systems that we interact with. And by going into this conscious understanding, we start to see the way that different type of emotional states interact with the reality around us. And uh, one of the things that we can start to um, really tie all the pieces in together is how, you know, just like simple synchronicity. It's like either you're A, you're detecting the future, or B, you're creating it. It's like when you think about something, then all of a sudden it shows up in your life. It's almost like what's happening is you're quantumly entangling that uh, atomic field or that happening or that uh, the, the centering of whatever it is that you're experiencing there, you're drawing that into your reality. And so you can physically then interact with it. Um, now, when we start getting into, say, for instance, trauma or, uh, you know, emotions that feel good that are the uh, opposite of trauma, uh, these are very specific emotional states that start to make that energy and that frequency that we exist inside of our bodies and we exist inside of reality with uh, have different properties. And when we have, say, for instance, like laughter or joy, you know, that feeling inside of you that bubbles up into uh, the, the smile or make you laugh, like that feeling right there, it fundamentally, like if we get away from the story and the action of the laughter and the smiling, like it feels really good and it makes your body relax, everything's soft, everything feels you know, positive. And on the other end of that, like if we look at like anger or uh, fear or, you know, uh, sadness, like these are, if again, we get away from the story about what's happening, why we're feeling the emotions and what the body's doing, we go right into it. You know, anger, it's like this burning ball inside of you that, you know, it kind of clenches up your stomach and sadness. It's like this wounded raw sensation in your throat and in your chest. Uh, you know, uh, fear, it's like that icy slap of racing heartbeat of hyper focus that runs up your spine. Now, all of these things are energy, but they're a different frequency, a different flavor of energy. And from this space right here, we start to recognize that, uh, you know, it has a very physical reaction inside of us when there's a space that feels good as opposed to a space that doesn't feel good. And this is what we call the muscle memory. And this is what, uh, you know, chiropractors have to... Um, you know, really kind of uh, train the body to go against what the muscle memory is already programmed in there. And so that's why you have to go in like four times a week, then three times a week, then two times a week. It's basically training the muscle memory to not pull the bone out of alignment. And the reason for the bone being pulled out of alignment when you get down to it is a negative energy, a negative field underneath the surface that is then interacting in a way that messes with the atomic structure, then causes the uh, the bigger systems that the atomic structure creates to have different reactions, like just, you know, simple tense muscles or something like that. Um, you know, and that's just on a physical level. On an emotional level, we can have triggers that are related to points in time in the past that uh, if we're in a situation that reminds us of that point in time, then we can, you know, get really angry and attack people, uh, you know, physically or verbally. Uh, we can feel 
really triggered with sadness or fear and, you know, uh, kind of go into like victim shelter mode. Um, and these are all types of programs that are stuck inside of the muscle memory. Now, now that we got that whole mouthful out of the way. Uh, like, uh, that was a great description. Was, well, you know, awesome. I've, I've got a lot of practice. At it, you know? <laughs> like, this, is, this is where my consciousness walks. And it's not something that, um, you know, I'm, I'm talking about from, you know, things that I've heard or things that I've theorized or conjectured. Like this is actual places that I take my consciousness into and I experience and uh, I bring results, you know, like, and because the results are the only thing that matters. And the more that you play around to bring these results and see what you can do inside of these spaces, uh, the more familiar it gets. And it's just like if I were, uh, you know, somebody who moved into this, this neck of the woods and I'd never been there before and I have to find the trail and start walking around and figure out my bearings, you know, within like two or three years, I'm going to know those woods very well. And it's, it's very similar on these levels. Uh, once you get your consciousness to activate inside of the body brain, instead of being just stuck inside of your head brain, uh, then you can feel an experience on all these levels. And then you can actually come back and start talking about it in a way that you can show people how to bridge uh, the gap with words into sensation so that they can create the energy for themselves. Because, you know, like, um, you know, we're, we're talking about some fun stuff here, but like the bottom line is I am here to show people how to activate on these levels so that they can heal themselves and they can activate their DNA and they can truly feel these sensations inside of them that they don't need a healer and they can do it for themselves. And that's kind of why I'm here. So anyways, so the, the whole entire path that I'd been, uh, you know, figuring this out on, it led to uh, me having a whole entire meltdown of my life. And then I ended up in massage school on welfare and food stamps, living at my mom's house with my nine-month-old nine daughter. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I had all this time to, you know, pretty much be bored and have no money to fill that time to distract myself. And so I started to figure this stuff out. And, what ended up happening, because I started to work for an applied kinesiologist chiropractor as an intern as I was going through massage school, um, I started to see the way that these systems all compiled into each other and the way that they, they fit in. And it was like little pieces here kind of just gave me a bigger piece of the puzzle until all of a sudden, one day I was cleaning out the lymphatic system, the muscles wouldn't let go, I got the tension in the muscles to stretch out, it came right back. Um, and I just could not figure out why the, the body was not moving. And so what ended up happening is the body's not moving. Uh, as the body's not moving, what ended up happening was a space that felt like something stuck. It's like it wasn't moving. It wasn't shifting. There was a feeling of almost like a rock inside of the muscle that I was working on. And I couldn't really get a feel for what was happening here at the point in time, but I, I felt there was definitely something mo not moving there. And so I tried to do a little bit of the, uh, the Reiki training that I had earlier on. And when I started to push with light and movement, it's almost like I felt the outside edges of this hard space starting to dissolve and it never fully let go the first time, but the muscles had a huge sense of relief. And so I, I got the, the muscles to stretch the mobility, the physical therapy, everything uh, to do the way it was supposed to, to make that muscle let go. And it never started to actually let go until I started to move whatever was stuck in there. And uh, it was a, a lady that I had on my table at the time. And so she tells me, it feels like there's something warm inside of her shoulder and it's getting softer. And then all of a sudden she started crying. And so she had, uh, we, we'd been taught about this in uh, massage school, about an emotional uh, release where there's something stuck in the muscle memory that ties in with the nasty emotion that's stuck in the mm -hmm. body that can trigger up. 
And every once in a while, you'll have people like start getting really angry on the table or laughing hysterically or crying. You know, it's a pretty common occurrence. And so I just kind of held space for her. And I sat there and just kind of watched the process of what was happening. And it was like, as she started to, to like really get into almost gut-wrenching sobs, I could see this heavy, hard thing inside of her body starting to, uh, you know, really let go. And like the, the grief almost felt like it was raining out of her. It was a very, very strange sensation. And once she stopped crying, she's like, I don't know why I just started crying right there, but I got to tell you, I feel absolutely amazing. And so that was like my first introduction to um, like a little bit of a, uh, a blockage inside of somebody. And that's what started to really open up my awareness to the rest of this. And so, you know, this is all the background understanding that was going on. And I started to really try and try to apply it. I started to try to do energy work to myself and get things moving and get things shifting. And I didn't really know what I was doing, but I knew that I could feel some sensations. And the stronger that I focused on those sensations, the more powerful they got, the more vibrant I felt and the more healthy my body became. And it all really culminated one night where um, I heard about something called chakra removal. And my first immediate reaction to chakra removal was, this is asinine. There's no way you can do this. Like, th that those are glands. Like, if you pull your glands out of your body, you're going to die. Like, it's, it's dumb. No. And for about six months, like, this kept on just resonating. Like, it just kind of hanging, kept hanging out in the back of my mind until one night I came across this article called The Secret of the Chakras, where it explained how the whole red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet spectrum of energy flow and uh, light that we see and perceive with uh, that we also use for our chakra centers in the body, it's only the tiniest percentage of the tiniest percentage of the entire electromagnetic spectrum. So like, let's actually get like a, a, a good feel for that. So if I had a stack of papers that was 2000 feet tall, one width of that one piece of paper in the very center of it, that's our entire electromagnetic, or that's our entire visible spectrum that we can see and everything else is the entire electromagnetic spectrum that we don't have an awareness of. So it's like one sheet of paper as opposed to a 2,000 feet tall, 2,000 foot tall stack of papers. That's how much we're missing out. And so then when we cut our colors into seven, and that's what we limit our energy into with the chakra centers, we are taking a vast percentage of a vast percentage and then cutting that into seven pieces. And so I had this huge oh my goodness, that makes so much sense type of a, a realization. And I started to intuitively guide myself into, okay, well, let's turn my energy centers into suns. Let's go full spectrum. I want all the mm -hmm. energy. I want all the color. And what ended up happening was it was the process of, no, hold on. Sorry about that. I had a kid yelling outside the door. I've got five of them. They're fun. <laughs> uh, and so what ended up happening was a process of about four months where I tried to release the colors from my energy centers and try to make them, uh, it started off white and white felt kind of hollow, but then I remembered, uh, you know, sun gazing. Like I really enjoyed that sensation and that color. And so I started trying to make them that color. And what ended up happening was a process where they turned clear. It was like crystals that I could turn any color and I could morph my entire body into the red, the orange, the yellow, the green, you know, each individual color very strongly by itself. Uh, and then I would try to do all of them at the same time. And it created this really 
interesting process where it was like my energy centers became more and more clear and more and more crystalline until I could start turning them on almost like light bulbs. And it was, uh, you know, like full spectrum, really clean light. And I started to use this energy and uh, it just got stronger and stronger until one night it was uh, the middle of February, I believe. And when I started in on this, like the actual meditation itself was to uh, float up into the sun and just rest on it. Like you were floating on this golden liquid that was just kind of bobbing along and keeping my energy centers, the things that were making me float. And so it's like I, I focused on every single one of them. I turned them up. I made them strong. And then it was like a, a feeling of unwinding. Um, the closest sensation I can come to this is like if I had a balloon and I pulled a piece of it and I stretched that and then I twisted it and I separated that from the body of the balloon, it would still, you know, be a part of the balloon, but it would, the air inside of it would be separate from the hole. It was almost the same exact sensation. It's like it untwisted and then the color dropped into the sun and then the sun came into my body. And the energetic explosion that I had was, um, to this day, I still haven't felt anything anywhere near it. Um, but it was, for lack of a better way of explaining this for people who don't understand these energetic sensations, it was almost like the sensation of my body, how I can feel my skin, my muscles, my bones, all of a sudden exploded out in 50 feet in every direction. And I could feel everything inside of that so coherently that it was like I could feel the worms and the bugs crawling in the dirt below me. Um, but it was like the sun lit on and it was like my heart space exploded and it was so hot and so intense that like trying to touch my chest burned my hands and my chin was starting to burn because it was so hot underneath and I actually, the magnetic pressure, I couldn't push back and actually touch my physical chest. And as this is going on, I'm experiencing more energy than I've ever felt in my life and it, it feels like um, almost like electricity, like scouring the inside of my body. Uh, but I felt this weird click sensation inside of my right temple. And as I noticed this click, it was like this light and this movement and this activation inside of me was like liquid or like air that was violently pushing on anything that wasn't moving inside of me. And it started to force this click sensation to start move to the back of my head. And the pathway it took, it was only about maybe seven or eight inches from right behind my eye on the temple all the way back to the base of my skull, right on the right side right there. And it took maybe about seven or eight seconds to slide back, but two, th two things happened at the same time. Uh, the first was my own inner voice that I used to speak inside of my body or my head. Uh, it started to, to distort. It got a lot more stretched out and deeper, and all of a sudden I could feel like anger coming from the voice. And the next thing I know, it's like I had this deep, gravelly, crazy, demonic, yelling, screaming voice inside of my head that I could feel just absolute rage radiating from. And the other thing was that it started to hurt. It's like it started to hurt when it clicked and the further back it got, the more and more painful it got until uh, when it was in the back of my head, it felt like almost like a red hot nail being pounded into the back of my skull with a hammer. And this, this took a very short amount of time. I had the explosion and this thing slid back inside of my head. I mean, it was about maybe seven or eight seconds from uh, start to realization. But then I recognized there's something inside of my head talking and it's not me. And I had this immediate realization and it was like, I have to get this out. This has to go, go like, no. And that was the first time I ever did an implant removal. And it took me about three hours that night. And I was just, uh, you know, really kind of just shining light at it and being really 
consistent and like trying to pull it out. And I, it, it was, you know, it, it takes me like about five seconds to pull these things out now, but it was a, it was a bit of a struggle that first time. Uh, but when I got this thing out of my head, it was the biggest sensation of relief as well as my mind was the calmest, clearest, most silent I'd ever felt it my whole entire life. It was like, suddenly I was inside of an empty still cave that had like a pond in it and there was no ripples there was nothing and the only noise I could hear inside of there is if I actively went in and said like you know hello <laughs> like and actively made noise there was no background chatter um my body I've, I've been in martial arts since I was like five I had this horrendous rib injury where I broke my ribs on the right side and it blew out my spine and dislocated the uh, ribs on the left side and uh maybe three or four times a month it would seize up on me and felt like a um like a literal knife, like stabbing in every single time I would breathe. And it would happen for like two or three days at a time. Uh, and I was always in pain. It was just always kind of in the background. But it was only when it would flare up that it would just completely debilitate me. Couldn't feel any of it. Absolutely clean, clear. I could move around and my body was just, it felt like I was rubber that had been old and frozen and just not moving. And all of a sudden, everything was hot. It was pliable. It was stretching. It felt delightful like I mean I felt wow. so good and that was when I realized like oh my goodness I've got another one of those dark spots in my stomach right here and so I reached in and I pulled that one out and that took maybe about 10 minutes for that one but um, it was way easier than the first one uh, and then I found another one in my hip and another one in my leg and I pulled those out and it literally felt like I had no weight whatsoever it felt like my feet had to touch the ground because everybody else believed in gravity and I had to capitulate because majority rules and I wasn't strong enough to go against it yet and I went to bed that night thinking I was crazy I was like well there's no way this actually happened I just had a demon screaming in my head I gotta call the nut house I like there's no way but at the same time my body was glaringly obviously the most amazing it had ever felt in my entire life and I mean I'd, I'd felt really good before you know I used to I used to do a lot of drugs you know <laughs> but I'd never felt this good nowhere no how nothing and I went to school the next day and um, like the awareness wasn't as big around me it wasn't like that 50 foot bubble in every direction but I mean it was a good 10 15 feet bubble around a uh, foot bubble around me and people would walk through it and I would feel like these heavy painful dark spaces inside of them and it just started to evolve to the point to where I would start asking people like, hey, does it hurt right here? Like, what's going on? You know, they'd be like, oh, yeah, like, I don't know. I think I like slept on it wrong or something like my neck's just been bugging. I'd be like, well, can I try something real quick? And I just kind of brush that dark spot out of their neck. And then all of a sudden their neck would start having full range of motion. They'd feel great. And uh, oftentimes I'd notice immediately their emotional state would just skyrocket and they'd feel just, you know, this big old poop eaten grin on their face that they couldn't get rid of. And uh, so I started to, to go back and forth with the massage therapy, with the energy work and uh, the yoga that I was doing. And uh, I, I picked up Qigong. And since I already had a bunch of martial arts training, I uh, you know, actually didn't learn from anybody. I picked up this guy named uh, Wong Q Kit. He's got about maybe 13 or 14 books. Uh, and the man's brilliant. It's like the complete book of Chinese medicine, uh, Qigong for health and healing, the complete book of Shaolin Kung Fu, like, I mean, the guy has got such a well-rounded repertoire of what he knows and how he does it that I was able to kind of really dial into that and start moving energy around much more powerfully inside of my body. And it just started to evolve. And I started to talk about it. And uh, I get people on my table. And especially if they were more open, you know, we'd start talking about energy and whatnot. 
And one thing led to another and they'd be like, yeah, I'm totally open for this energy work. And it got to the point to where right now it was nothing but just dark spots inside of people. And the only spot that I heard uh, any consciousness was that, that talking inside of my head. And uh, so I started to just move stuff around and I cleaned people out and they'd feel amazing. But then it started to get to the point to where I could see it a lot more clearly. I could feel it a lot more clearly. And it started to have a lot more detail. And that's when I would, you know, try to pull something out of somebody. And I'd realize that, that like there was a connection. I could feel like a, like a sticky sensation that went out of their body. And so the first time I ever followed that, it was almost like the dark spot inside of them was smoking. And I followed that tendril of smoke all the way up. And then it felt just like that dark spot with like, a, I think it was like shame and guilt and sadness that was stuck inside of that space right there. But it felt just like that, only way, way bigger. And that was my first introduction to a multidimensional consciousness that feeds on negative energy, things that don't feel good. And that was when I recognized like, oh my God, like these are literal demons. Like, I mean, the, the old stories, like the, the old religions, they aren't joking. This is a war of, you know, not flesh and blood, but of ideas and principalities and powers and principalities, you know? And I was, had this moment, like, we got to fight the demons. They're attacking humanity. And so I started going places like uh, casinos were actually my favorite place to go because, you know, there's a lot of, uh, addiction there's a lot of um you know uh, uncomfortable i, I really hate casinos they make me sad <laughs> mm -hmm. well that's because from this perspective here it's literally filled with hopes and dreams and the ultimate letdown of so many people punctuated with brilliant you know joyful explosions from people who do win but by and large it's it's a whole bunch of people who that addictive quality it's like they got that demon on their shoulder saying just one more just one more Turns out they literally do. And so I would go to casinos and I would sit there and I would play the penny machines and I would just, you know, minimum bet and look around and just play around. And uh, this is before I realized how unethical it was to actually work on people without their permission. <laughs> but uh, I would go like um, and see somebody who is, you know, just kind of really hang dog and down and they have like this big dark blanket that would just be hanging over top of them. And it would be, uh, centered inside of the head, inside of the abdomen, and you would be able to pick it out and see the spark of emotion, the trigger of that, that, well, just one more. I don't want to go home. I've got so much that's just, it's awful. I hate it. I can't do this. I want to be here. I want something different. I just want to get away from it. And like those words, those thoughts, those emotions, they would put them into the state to where they drink themselves stupid. They just bet all their rent money. And I was like, well, can I change this? Can I do something to help these people? And so I started to reach out and pull these dark things off of people and throw them into the sun to go burn. And I would literally see people's postures change. I would watch the set of their face and the tension melt and I'd see a smile start to pop up. And this is where I started to really, you know, put two and two together. And it all kind of culminated, um, oh geez, I think this was 2015. So about five years ago, uh, there was the secret space program uh, conference that I went to and I was really kind of into the, the whole alien UFO thing at the time. And uh, I didn't have enough money to, to afford a ticket. So I got a hold of the guy who was running it and I'm like, Hey, is there any way I can volunteer? And he's like, no, we, we got all the vol volunteers that we need. And I was like, well, uh, I'm a massage therapist. I mean, I could trade for, you know, and he, he, he goes, what? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm a massage therapist. And he says, well, can you head up my massage team over here? I need somebody to do that. You can get a free ticket in. And, you know, you can make some money working on people. And I was like, heck yeah, man, that sounds great. So I go there and I heard somebody start talking about etheric implants. 
And I'd never heard the term before, but uh, like he started describing what they do. And I was like, oh my God, that's the stuff that I pull out of people. And I, I started talking to this guy and I was like, yeah, no, I know how to detect those. I know how to pull them out. And he looked at me and he looked me straight in the face and he says, bullshit. <laughs> I said, no, man, I'm serious. I know how to do this. And he says, okay, well, look, um, I'm going to say right now that there's no humans on the planet who know how to do this. And I'm going to call it. I don't think you know how to do this, but I'll give you a chance. I was like, all right, I'll go work on you right now. And he's like, no, 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 we've got the speaker meeting here in about 15 minutes. I got to go and uh, get up there and, and, and talk and then we can do it afterwards. I was like, wait a second, you're, you're actually speaking at the conference? He's like, yeah, my name's Scott Lemuriel. I'm, uh, I'm here, uh, I'm, I'm talking about my book that I wrote. And so, I, I, you know, it's like, okay, well, that was interesting. And uh, so we go and do the, the whole speaker meeting thing in the beginning of the conference and he's up there talking and uh, as soon as he's done, like he, I, I saw him looking at me in the crowd. I think there was maybe about 300, 350 people there, but he was, he was looking right at me. And as soon as everything was done, he made a beeline for me. He's like, all right, let's go do this. And so I took him up to my, my massage table out in the woods where I had it all set up and uh, I worked on him and he was completely quiet for about five minutes after I was done. And I was just sitting there like, well, what it, what, what it, what's going on? And he, he tells me, he says, well, there are definitely some things that you missed, but uh, you, you pulled out things that I didn't think any human could do. And I was like, yeah, no, I, I, I recognize that. Like, I, I know that. Like, this is why we have to do this. Like, this is why we have to, you know, people need to know about this. People need to start learning how to, to help themselves with this. And he says, okay, well, I'm going to make you famous. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> And he went and he told everybody about what happened. And uh, I, I'd only done maybe about 20, 20 sessions and maybe about the year and a half that I was doing this before that. And at that conference, I worked on maybe about 60 people. And one of them was a guy named Ted Marr. And uh, he has a radio show in Seattle that uh, he's on, I believe, every Friday. And he says, well, I have to get you on the show. Um, I'm going to tell my next guests that they have to, uh, you know, we're going to reschedule for them. Uh, but I'm getting you on this Friday. And so I got on there and a couple people heard me that just led one thing to another, to another, to another. And it led to a space to where I'm able to actually do this work full time and investigate it and explore it. And uh, it's, it's really just a phenomenally complex, fascinating system that in order for us to undo it, it's way easier than we actually think it is, you know, because if we get away from the story, these dense energies, these are shadow. And as above, so below. If we know how to create light, shadow has no choice but to disappear. And the food that they feed on is the, the, the polarity shift. It's the separation from source. It's, you know, from the, the point of darkness, they don't understand light because in order for there to be darkness, there has to be something blocking the light in order to cast the shadow. Something born of that shadow can see the effects of the light on the outside of whatever's blocking it from perception. And it looks like the exact antithesis. And the outside of shadow, it's everything that doesn't feel good. It's fear, it's anger, it's shame, it's guilt, it's hatred, you know, whatever it might be that doesn't feel good. And on the other end of that spectrum, we've got things that do, you know, joy, forgiveness, compassion, empathy. And these frequencies right here, you know, this is why all of the old religions talked about living a life of joy, living a life of love. And it wasn't about, you know, you have to do this because it's a good thing to do. It's you got to do this because what it does is creates a frequency inside of you that blockage, that trauma, that these implants, these entities that need that food, they can't even touch it. 
And uh, you know, that's, that's what this is all about. And when we think about, you know, like, well, th this sounds fantastical, like this can't be real. Well, have you ever had that little urge inside of you that was like something saying, do this? You know that you shouldn't do it, but it'll feel good. Do it. Oh, <laughs> do that thing. Do that thing that you know that you're not supposed to. Take that candy bar. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> that right there, that's exactly what these are. And when we start to recognize that physicality is much more complex than we think it is just with the, uh, you know, the nuts and bolts, uh, reality that we can we can bang on uh, and we start to use our consciousness to expand inside of this space you know there's there's a lot that happens that is the reason why the world is the way that it is that suddenly makes sense but more importantly what we can actually do to fix it it becomes glaringly obvious and it becomes a choice of either I like this or I don't so it sounds like there's like this dark shadowy quantum energy that you're removing from people Yes and no. I, I don't know if I want to call it quantum. I mean, um, do, you, do you think there are entities or? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, so, ah, gosh, how do we explain this here? Um, the separation, the fall, we hear this in the Bible when they, they explain how a third of the demons or angels were cast down to, to hell and became demons. Uh, it wasn't something like they were up in outer space and then all of a sudden they, they got thrown down into the earth. It's a field of density. Um, and if we're talking about density fields, like if we're uh, moving into a space of extremely high vibration of something that uh, is the resonance of unconditional love, that energy has nothing that's hard. There's no solidity to it. It's almost like a, a gas or a liquid that uh, you know, if you try to push against it, it's immediately going to swirl around you and not give resistance. And it lifts, it goes higher, it, it gets brighter, it gets more expansive. But on the other end of that, on the low vibrational scale, we have energies that are very dense and very heavy. It's like metal or stone or wood. And it takes a lot of effort in order to make them shift or move out of their form. And from this space right here, uh, physical reality is very almost like a, a hot air balloon. And so if we have, you know, our, our canopy that we're putting the hot air into that's lifting us up, like that hot air right there, we're going to call that love. We're going to call that vibration that's very clean, very open. It's very expansive and vital. Uh, and the other end of that, things that are heavy, like the sandbags that are keeping that uh, basket from lifting up, or more importantly, the tethers that are, you know, drilled into the ground that are keeping it there. These are like those attachment centers right there. These are like those dense energy fields that... Um, are the, the spaces that don't feel good inside of us that cause physical pain and emotional and mental pain as well. And what ended up happening was inside of infinity, when you have chances of everything happening, even if it's, you know, one in 100 billion to the 100 billionth power, uh, it's still the chances of it happening are 100%. And in the scope of what happened here, there's something called prime anomaly that it was the first piece of creation that was not created by source. And it was like a spontaneous stretching that ended up happening. Um, here, let me explain this in a little bit more detail here. All right, so as creator created everything, suddenly there is this brilliant scope of everything that you made and you know it inside and out and there's nothing new. And in order for you to explore this as something brand new, you have to forget. And so source was this, what we're going to call it the massive giant original sun. 
And so mm -hmm. suddenly source took a little scoop of that sun and passed it down into creation to give it a form of consciousness so it could start to explore inside of that. Um, the natural evolution led source back to realizing that it is source, even though it was separated from it to begin with. And so as source starts to grow and expand in a conscious level, it doesn't know everything. It doesn't understand everything, but it recognizes its source with the powers of creation that comes with that. And so then you suddenly have a slightly different agenda. And so Source had this great master plan that spread out through this, this infinitely intricate universe that was constantly fractalizing in and out of itself. But now for the first time, they had something that wanted to make its own way. It's that headstrong child that knows better than, you know, tradition. And all of a sudden, there's a whole bunch of them. And so then you have Source no longer in alignment with itself, and you've got them all stretching in different directions. And this created gaps. This created spaces to where it was like the, the reality spread apart and split, and the, it was like a vacuum got filled. And that vacuum that got filled was something that never existed before, that wasn't created inside a Source knowing, and it was something brand new. And what ended up happening was all of these splinters of Source that recognized this from around the universe, they said, what is that? And they went to go explore it. And as soon as they came into contact with it, it shifted their polarity to the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And this was the birth of polarity for the first time. Mm -hmm. And this is the fall. It's like all of a sudden you had something that never understood anything except clean, open, non-resistant movement, effortless flow suddenly was inside of density for the very first time. And this is the fall. It was the heaviness, the density that dropped. And so they ended up falling into much deeper levels of the astral that didn't ever exist up until they created them by existing inside of that space. And so they were separated completely and totally. And so that was the first generation that had an understanding of what it meant to be connected to source. But suddenly they didn't have that free energy generator and they needed food and they immediately attacked a less evolved ver uh, version of source around them and started to siphon off their vital life force energy. And so this was, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, you know, like this is billions and billions of years ago. And what we're looking at is an evolution of that pure spirit because this is before physicality actually was ever able, able to even happen this was all spirit right here when this 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 schism happened and then you had different polarities of energy that fell away from each other uh-huh it, it sounds a little um cabalistic to me well i don't know anything about the Kabbalah, but you know, it very well might be you know it's uh i explore these things energetically and this is how i understand these that, that's amazing you know how how they're like you know because i talk to a lot of guests that are it's like all different types of ancient traditions and stuff and what you've learned is you know right just right in line with all those other spiritual um models hmm. well you know it goes to make sense uh here let's let's go a little bit deeper let's see if anybody else is talking about this so did you know that the universe has been reset three different times no that one I didn't so, know. This fall, what ended up happening is it was like a cancer because everything had fallen in order. Even if they were going in different directions from each other, it was order. It was not chaos. And so what ended up happening was uh, for the first time, you had something that did not fall into alignment with order. It did not work out and they left it alone like it was going to be just fine like they did with everything else because that was the, the way that the universe operated up until that point. 
and it grew like a cancer. It infested everything to the point to where source literally had to go in and reset. And so this is where mind actually formed because before it was nothing but spirit. It was nothing but existence. And now you needed something that had to be able to comprehend, to understand. And so this was the beginning of mind. And so this is where the first thoughts took form instead of the first emotions. And so this is where evolution of consciousness started to happen to where they could observe, they could see, they could understand, and yet it still took over. They, there was nothing they could do against it because they did not have the, um, it was so far alien, it was so far outside of them that there was no comprehension in how it even existed. And so they had to explore. And it, again, took over the entire universe, infested everything, and so it was reset again. And that is where they gave the foundation that mind and spirit could come together to not only to understand and observe, but to also feel and do something with that intention. And that's where physical reality was created. And this all fell from a space to where it was all complete and total energy all the way down to here. And it was the fall into those lower realms of astral that actually sparked the creation of physical reality to begin with for the probability for it to ever even happen. Because there was such a far split in the polarity, it was like all of a sudden you had two fields that were pulling the universe apart away at the very edges. And as it got closer and closer and closer through understanding, through uh, exploration, through experimentation, it got to the point to where when it finally touched, physical reality was born. Now all of a sudden you had a place to where uh, the atomic structure itself was at the, I guess you could say at the, at the whim of the energy. And what ended up happening was you ended up with consciousnesses that came from these darker realms, that came from these lighter realms that tried to exist inside of it, but they couldn't because mind and spirit cannot exist physically. And so that was when uh, creator actually had to create the first um, life forms. And it was not, uh, you know, like the Adam and Eve story. It was literally like a, a spark of lightning inside of a primordial ooze that then was over billions of years cultivated inside of conscious evolution. And that was a very, very, very long time ago. And our physical universe, it's got a grand, so it's got a grand um, expansion and a grand uh, implosion. And we've gone through countless cycles on that level. And I don't know how long each one of those cycles are, but it's in the scope of like trillions of years. And what ended up happening was the evolution of everything that we experience today. And so we have layers upon layers upon layers upon layers that we can't experience outside of physical reality. But since physical reality is the center where all of these forces meet, this is where truth creation happens and where the universe actually starts to get its marching orders. And right now what we have is the dissolution of a massive dominance of dark heaviness. And uh, December 21st, 2012 was the actual reset point to where it came into balance. And what we're looking at is the light side dominance taking over right now. But it's not a war. It's all transmutation. And if we fight a war, we create more density inside of this. And that's exactly what these guys need in order to hide and exist and feed. And it's all density. That's it. Um, so are, like, like with these, do these con entities, these conscious entities, like sort of work together? Or Sometimes. do they work as like an individuals and just, you know, Think of it attack. more along the lines of like a um, like. Do they have a plan, basically? No, no. Their 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 plan is to keep on feeding until they can't anymore, and like that's uh, so, so you know, it's like survival. 
Yeah, it's like fiat currency. It's going to implode. Like there's nothing that you can do inside of a, uh, a system that requires consumption on that level. And right now what's happening is we're seeing the programs of fear that created all the food for them on the surface. They have to put way more into it and they're getting way less out than they ever did. And this is why we're looking at the world going crazy right now. And people aren't experiencing the level of fear that they used to. Like, could you imagine what's happening right now 15 years ago? Like people would be terrified. Now we're just like, yeah, we're kind of tired of this. <laughs> I think you're, you are, I have to agree. I think people are, are more spiritually aware. And mm-hmm. I think more people too, could, because of the someone emerging between science and, and spirituality, pe- more people are conscious that matter isn't, in, it is, is there's less matter and there's more consciousness. Maybe it's a way to put it. Yeah. And if everything's made out of more consciousness, then that really takes away a lot of fear and really, I think, empowers people more. Definitely. You know, and like when I first started coming out, you know, I I was really pumping the fear porn. You know, it's like the demons are attacking humanity. You got to light yourself up. You got to shield yourself or else you're subject and victim to blah, 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 blah. And it literally led me to a space to where, you know, I, I was fighting a war and I don't care how pretty you try to make it or what colors you put inside of it. If I'm hacking and slashing and blowing stuff up to go burn inside of the sun, like that's not very light, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it, it ended up actually getting to the point to where I was shut off from my emotional understanding. Uh, I couldn't feel it. I was just making really strong vibrational fields of energy and I would light it up like the sun and it would, it would burn things. Um, but it wasn't until I started recognizing that, uh, I was holding on to trauma, uh, a ridiculous amount of trauma. Like I, I'd been molested when I was a kid. I'd been bullied as a child. You know, I, I grew up as a, in a single family, uh, with a mom who, you know, she did the best that she could, but she was working 15, 16 hours a day as a teacher, you know, and like, it was not an easy place for me to grow up. And here I was trying to be this ultimate light being, and I was carrying around all this darkness inside of me. And that was when it really started to make sense. And that's when I started to recognize the value of something that I call the radiant smile, when you can actually reverse engineer and biohack the feeling of joy into the body and take it into the muscle memory where you're holding onto those things. And that's, that's when it really all started coming together because, um, yeah, it, it's really scary in the beginning when you're coming into contact with these types of things and you feel them for the first time. But the bottom line is they need your fear. They need your anger. They need your rage. They need your shame, your guilt, your sadness, whatever it is. Because that dense field of energy, it's like earth that then they can root into like a plant. And if you go neutral and you follow them back into what they're feeding on, it's like they're your best friend. They're literally showing you where you're holding on to trauma that's creating dysfunction inside of your mind, your body, and your spirit. And then you can dissolve and transmute exactly what they're feeding on and they have nothing to hold on to. Then more importantly, you can start showing those guys what laughter feels like, and suddenly they know what light is. They can start making it. Um, does it help? Like, like, I know for me, like once I started learning how to meditate and learning how to become just neutral, neutral mm-hmm. to good things and bad things and just observe, mm-hmm. I started feeling better. Yep. Well, because when we start to engage, um, you know, like I was talking about earlier, thought, it's, it's energy. And when we have something like a, a focus or faith, you know, that's applied energy. And so if we're focusing on the really bad thing that's happening, 
yeah, we might not like it, but the simple fact that we're focusing all of our attention on it is feeding it because it's growing. And so the, the trick is to recognize, yeah, the bad things are there and we need to know where they're there. We can't put our head in the sand. But what we need to recognize then is the duality of it. If this feels bad over here, well, what feels good? You know, and that's where you start to work. You start to feed the places that feel beautiful, that feel open, that feel clean, and you make those stronger and they start to expand. It's like they turn into little suns and then that sunlight gets so big that it takes over the darkness inside of your body and it has no choice but to let go. It reminds me of that um, the Native American analogy about like there's a, a black wolf and a white wolf and which one do you want to feed? Yeah, well... Yeah, see that one right there. It's like you're neglecting the other one and you right. can't neglect it. it. Because when we start neglecting something in favor for another thing, like I completely get the sentiment of what they're talking about uh -huh. right there. But when we get down into the nuance of it, if we're only being that laser beam or that flashlight that's pointing in one direction, if we're not the lantern and paying around attention to everything around us, there's so much that goes underneath our awareness that we miss. And so we've got to pay attention to both. And it's like, hey, you, you stop being a jerk. You sit down and I'll give you some food, but I'm going to go over here and love this guy because what he's going to do over here is start to show you how to act right. <laughs> you know. And so it's like you start having uh, obedience classes with your, your good wolf and your, and your not so good wolf. And you, you, you cultivate them both because even <laughs> if you don't understand or, or, or enjoy the feeling inside of you, doesn't matter. It's yours. Whether or not it was passed down through your ancestral line, whether or not it's coming from a past life, whether or not it's something you created in this lifetime, if you can feel it and you don't enjoy it, it's yours. So clean it out and take responsibility for it. That includes the good as well as the bad. <laughs> I can just see that analogy of having the good wolf teach the bad wolf. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, it's like all of a sudden that bad wolf is like, you know, that actually doesn't look so bad. Okay, here, I'll sit down. Ah, there's food. Yay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's like you, all of a sudden you've got two wolves that are much more capable than one. They can work in tandem, but they're not running their automatic program. Because, you know, that, that negative polarity, it is useful, uh, but unless it gets stuck inside of you. You know, fear, that's something that there's no use for that whatsoever. Danger is 100% real, but the act of fear, the fact that it can freeze you up so that you can't get away from danger, it's, it's nonsensical. Um, but, you know, at the same time, when you look at things on that level, the reason why you have that fear that freezes you is because you've got trauma stuck in the body that was passed down to you through generations of warfare, of genocide, of having to be terrified so that you don't die. You know, and like... Um, Say, for instance, anger. If it's something to be legitimately angry about, you know, like we look at the uh, child sex trafficking. Like, I'll tell you what right now, I am a very, very positive, positive person. But if I ever see one of those people, somebody's getting messed up. <laughs> you know, like, I'm going to make sure those children are okay. Right. And I'm going to use my anger to motivate me to do that. Uh, the same with sadness. If it's not something that's a trauma that's stuck in there, like say something legitimate happened that's sad, like one of your parents have died. You know, just because they have moved on and you can still communicate with them in a different way doesn't mean that you don't miss, you know, being able to hug your parent, you know, and that right there is a legitimate sadness. So use that moment of introspection to really appreciate how much you loved them while they were here. You know, find the polarities, find the, the differentiation of it and really truly honor every single end of that because that is the human experience. We are here 
not because we're able to experience the brilliant light, but because we're able to experience the brilliant darkness. And the brilliant darkness is the problem. And we're here to bring that brilliant light into that brilliant darkness and then make something that's, that's much more. You know, once this physical transmutation happens to where the, the polarities are integrated into oneness, this is that event that everybody's talking about. Like that golden age of mankind, that rapture, you know, where everybody's walking around in light bodies. That's what this is. But it's not something happening to us. It's not a process that we're involved in that, you know, it's happening on the outside. It's the individual process of releasing that dense field of energy from your physical body, from your ancestral line, from your DNA, from your past life connections, and from the very earth itself. And as that weight starts to dissolve, well, everybody in the planet starts to rise in causality until breakthrough. Awesome. Um, so one of the things like, like with light work and energy healing and stuff like that, I see it online a lot where, where people um, will, will, will charge for like these attunements and stuff like that. It's like they can give the gift to somebody else. Um, is that a valid thing or does all a person really need to do is just sort of activate their intention? Well, I, uh, I was attuned to begin with uh, for Reiki. Um, and what that does is it legitimately just does nothing more than show you what that frequency feels like. And once you can feel what a frequency feels like, you can recreate it for yourself. Um, that was roughly about five to 600 different frequencies ago. And nobody attuned me for any of these other ones. It was a simple consciousness expansion that all of a sudden it was like, what is that sensation? Oh, this feels almost like, like plasma, like crackling electricity and fire. Can I make that? <gasps> Can I put laughter into that? Can I light that up like the sun? Can I move that through my body? And all of a sudden you have a new flavor, a new repertoire inside of your your skill set that you can pull out whenever you come into contact with something that needs that specific frequency. And so I do, I do attunements for uh, people, but it's not about um, sharing like the secret flame or, you know, giving them this, this secret mystery energy or something like that. It's literally nothing more than opening up the central channel meridians, opening up the flow that goes up the spine over the top of the head and down the front, and then connecting the acupressure points on the front and the back with the meridian centers and the energy centers in the core and just making these big loops that go through the entire body that create a lot more flow, a lot more energy, and it makes the, the chi way more powerful and a lot easier to create. Um, pretty much any session with me, what I'm going to do is teach people how to do this. I, I, it's so simple. It's so easy. It really, really, truly is. It's just that getting your mind to calm down and getting your body to focus, that's, that's the hard part. And so we just kind of biohack the body with um, deep belly breathing, get you into a space to where your alpha and beta states in the brain cut, uh, shut down into uh, deeper delta, omega, and theta states, and then you can communicate with your body. And that's all energy work is. It's, it's the body language, the resonances that your body speaks, not what your mind describes. Because that's all words are, is a description of energy, a description of something happening. And it's not the transmission of that frequency. It's not the transmission of that sensation. Hmm. So how about like, like chakra meditations? Does that awaken any of, any of those abilities? Energy goes where attention flows. And each individual energy center has uh, a different resonance to it. And so each resonance that you have that's strong inside of you that you can feel as a physical sensation, you can move it outside of your body as well. And so say, for instance, that uh, you have a very 
open third eye. Your pineal gland has plenty of energy flow. Your lymphatics are kicking. You've got a lot of vital life force that's moving through. Uh, you'll actually start to use that frequency to pick up uh, sights, hearing, tastes, touches, and smells on the etheric levels. And you can start to, um, you know, like, uh, like right now, you could simply pretend like you've got a copper penny in your mouth. And that's clear, clear tasting right there. You know, it's mm -hmm. like that, I know what that copper tastes like. And so you're using your third eye abilities to kind of recreate that sensation right there. Um, you know, further down inside of the body with like the lower Dantian, the, uh, the sacral chakra or the womb space for women, this is all about physical, uh, it's almost like atomic strengthening. And this is where you can use the energy of your physical body for martial arts to make your, your strikes, you know, 10 times stronger than your physical body should be able to, or uh, be able to make you absorb damage that should be able to kill you with nothing more than a, like a bruise or a scrape. And, uh, you know, these different fields, they're all nothing more than awareness. And the more awareness that you put inside of a space by doing like a chakra of a meditation where you're turning up the feeling inside of that area, it's bringing more energy there. The more energy that's there, the more the energy, or excuse me, the more the, um, the system or the gift or the ability to sense inside of that area turns on until you can start to move it outside your body. How about um, protection um, so, from these entities? So I used to protect myself a lot. I'd build uh, big bubbles and shields and stuff like that. And that literally does nothing more than create separation and blocks flow. And we don't want blockage. We don't want separation. We want open, clean flow. And so what we need is sovereignty. Um, and what we do with this is when we start to create a very powerful field inside of the body and we start to blossom it open and create an auric field that's echoing with laughter, that's echoing with forgiveness, with joy, uh, and it's lit up like the sun, that right there, anything that's dark that tries to move through that field, it's going to dissolve. Or if it's uh, a really big, heavy thing that can actually push through, you're going to feel that, like this giant, weird pressure pushing down on you. And then all of a sudden, a sensation inside of your body, and it'll be plain as day. And then you can easily just go and take care of it. Um, and that right there, it's not protection. What you're doing is creating a field around you that you prefer, that you really, really enjoy. And that field right there starts to dissolve stuff more effectively than a shield ever could. Uh, but it's not about shielding. It's not about calling in something to defend yourself from. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like more of creating a flow, an open flow mm -hmm. for it to enter and exit rather than pushing it out and constantly trying to well, it's, it's, re something. it's really easy. You want me to show you how to do it real quick? Sure. All right. So what I want you to do, this is going to take uh, maybe 10, 15 breaths or so to get into the sensation here. We're just going to keep building it up as we go. But cool. what I want you to start to pay attention to is the way that the wind flows through your nostrils. And I want you to simply tune into the feeling of that inhalation. And almost like you've got a volume dial attached to that sensation. When you breathe in, turn it up and it'll spark the awareness of the flow back in your sinuses and keep turning that volume dial up until you feel it all the way down into your lungs. It's like you're literally bringing that wind flow from the, the surface area and the nose all the way down into the solar plexus, feeling the wind caressing the lungs. See, there you go. You're doing it already. You see how you're creating a little tingling buzz in your body right now? Mm-hmm. That right there, that's yeah. the bioelectric flow. What you're doing is you're over-unifying your, uh, your focus energy that's usually stuck inside of the brain because of the words, and you're allowing it to flow into the sensation. 
What this does is it turns up the amperage strong enough that the iron in the water inside of your blood actually catches that electromagnetic resonance, and that's that buzzing sensation. So as you inhale, I want you to feel the sensations in your lungs and turn that tingling up with it. Make all of these sensations even stronger. Big breath, slow inhalation, stretching your tummy away from the spine, relaxing your pelvic floor. Exhale and completely relax, letting the air drain right out. Just like that. So you're actually pretty good at this. You see how the more you focus on that, the more that tingling sensation starts to make that feeling of like a tingling cloud around yeah, you? Yeah, I do. So that's your bubble. That's your auric field right there. And your auric field isn't something that you can go to like a spiritual convention and take a, a Kirlian photography picture and say, this is my auric field. That's a snapshot of it right then and there. It's always shifting. It's always moving. It's like taking a snapshot of the ocean and saying that it's always going to look like this. Mm -mm. It always shifts. It always moves. Now that you've got that bioelectric activation, we're going to tie in a clean emotion with this. Simply put a smile on your face. And as you inhale, do the same exact thing, but this time pull the feeling of your smile into this tingling. And as you exhale, anything that doesn't feel like this smiling tingle, relax around it and let it fall right out of your body, almost like you're an hourglass and sand is draining out because the gravity's sucking it out of you. And that's it right there. Do you feel that big chunky one in your solar plexus that dropped out? Yeah. It's almost like a physical sensation that uh, left and now you've got a big open spot inside your body, don't you? I do. Now what you're going to want to do is take over that program and tell it what's supposed to feel there. Pull that tingling smile into that space, almost like you're pouring water into a container. Fill it up. There it is. You see how it just got to the point to where it filled up and expanded and now the bubble around you is a lot stronger, isn't it? It's amazing. That right there is the ultimate protection. You're not protecting yourself. You're creating something beautiful and vital around you. And the stronger you make that, the stronger the protection becomes. Wow. It's really easy, isn't it? It is easy. Um, I, I have a question. Like when you talk about like experiencing things through the third eye, mm -hmm. um, like when I try to like do like a, a third eye type of meditation, I always see like a purple dot and then it kind of like turns into like a, like a vortex type of thing. Is that normal? Uh, well, you know, people can tune into all kinds of different things. And personally, I don't think that we should actually even be focusing on the third eye until we figure uh -huh. out the sensations. Um, because when it comes to like, you know, light beings and angels and demons and like all these crazy things that are going on on the other side, if you're relying on sight, it's really easy to be tricked because, you know, the hand's quicker than the eye, isn't it? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and like if we've got a, a pickpocket, you know, who's trying to distract us so that we're not paying attention to what's going on while they take the wallet out of our back pocket, uh, you know, like that, that right there, if you're just looking, you'll never notice that. But if you're paying attention to all the feeling all the time, you'll feel that wallet slide right out of your pocket uh -huh. and be like, Hey buddy, what you doing So focus there? on the sensation more than. Yes. And so the, it's all about. Rather than a visual or an audio. Mm -hmm. And vet everything. Vet 
everything. So if you've got this big old beautiful light being that just showed up, make that really clean, powerful, tingling, laughing sensation, light it up like the sun, and just swirl it right around that light being. If it's a being made out of light, it's going to get like a, a big boost. It's going to feel great. It's going to be like, oh, thanks, man. Uh, if it's not, it'll be like you're all of a sudden you're looking at like this flat thing that something's hiding behind or it'll try to not meet your eyes or it'll, you know, try to scoot around the light. That right there, it's evasive behavior. They cannot stand up to the light right there. And then, you know, it's all about the feeling. Hmm. It's something I'll have to practice. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, it's really simple, easy sensations that uh, once you get the, the feel for that one thing, you can then take that one thing and stack it into that other one thing that you've been using. And that's why we put that tingling in with the smile. And then you can turn it into, you know, lightning. You can light it up like the sun. You can crystallize it. Um, you can, you know, put a magnetism charge inside of it. You can uh, light up forgiveness inside of it. Gratitude, empathy, compassion, whatever you want. It's literally a foundation that you can carry any frequency that you want to. Or more importantly, <laughs> if you don't know what the frequency is, you can mm -hmm. use it to tune into that frequency and then create it for the first time. Yeah. It, it's similar to, I used to go to a Buddhist meditation group back where I used to live. And we, the teacher there would always sort of do like this, just like very similar to what you had me do, but, but um, you know, with the smiling and the inhaling and exhaling. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the biggest difference, though, with your technique was, you know, filling that um, thing empty and then refilling it. Yeah. Well, and it's all about the, uh, the massage therapy and physical therapy and chiropractic perspective that I have. It's uh, that point right there inside of your solar plexus that was causing all the muscles to be tight and probably was causing lower or uh, mid and upper back pain in between your shoulder blades right there. And so as soon as that releases, it's like, okay, well, it let go. But if we have nothing already there, anything can come in and take its spot. And so it was almost like I was just telling the muscles how to, um, how to act. You know, and so it became like, well, if we clean something out, we have to take over the space and tell it what we want it to feel like. And like, actually physically move around, like move your, your lower back, your mid back and your shoulders. How's that all feel right now? It feels pretty good. It's almost like it's kind of yeah. juicy and it's softer, right? A little bit. Yeah. Like, also like, like for me, my biggest physical issue is like my, my right leg because mm -hmm. I don't have very much feeling left in it. But one of the things I've been doing, though, is my wife bought one of those uh, inversion tables. Mm. So I've been hanging upside down. And I have to say, it does feel pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I had one of those at the office I was working at for a while. But I got to tell you, this yoga swing that I'm actually hanging out right next to right now, um, it's way better than an inversion table ever could be. Uh, the inversion table, it's, it's a flat board that then rotates. And yeah, it's good to get traction and everything moving down the other direction. But with a yoga swing, not only is it uh, probably about 10 times cheaper, <laughs> but you can stretch on it. You can move around, you can twist, you can get a, a leg behind you while you're upside down. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's phenomenal. I, I've, it's one of my favorite tools. I use it almost every day. Yeah, I, I've seen those, but well, I always, like, even like with driving, since I can't feel my leg, I always slam on the brake. So mm -hmm. I'm always afraid of like, not feeling something while I'm hanging upside down and just falling on my head. Uh, are you familiar with the psoas muscle? No. So the psoas is the muscle, like if you're riding your bike, it's the one that lifts your leg up. 
Mm-hmm. And the bottom part of it, it's right in between the quad and the adductor. That's the, uh, the, the front of your thigh and the inside of your thigh. It's like right in between those two muscles, right next to the pelvis. And it goes in and it's the whole entire inside cup of the hip. And then it hooks into every single vertebrae all the way up the spine to the solar plexus. And so when this one gets tight, this yanks people forward and it cuts off flow down the inside of the leg. That's blood flow, lymphatic flow, nervous system flow. Uh, and it usually blocks up the kidney meridian. And the kidney meridian creates uh, more chi in the body than just about any other meridian that there is. But more importantly, right up above all of that is your liver. And the liver, it creates more pain inside of the body when it, get, it gets blocked up than any other organ. And so, like, I actually got a really good lock on this. You want me to open up the kidney and the, uh, the liver and see if we could get your leg to let go real quick? Yeah. All right, so what I want you to do, go ahead and start pulling that smiling sensation down into your lower abdomen, like you're trying to flood a liquid flow all the way down into your hip sockets. And as you exhale, I want you to feel the discomfort, the tension, the numbness of your leg draining out of your body, just like you felt that spot in your solar plexus draining out. And if it doesn't all drain the first time, perfectly okay. It'll always drain. It's a matter of when, not if. You just got to be consistent. What I'm going to do... I'm going to light up my hands with laughter, with light and movement. I'm going to gently start brushing down through your liver. So your liver is definitely blocked up. The back of it right here is stuck. I'm going to give this a squeeze. Let's see if we could get some of this hepat- these hepatic ducts to open. There we go. We're getting bile flow down into the small intestine now. Cool. All right. I'm going to stretch these muscles here. I'm going to light up the kidney meridian from the shoulder all the way down the inside of the leg. And there we go. There's something popping up here. I think you actually have a parasite hiding out in here. Let me grab this real quick for you. There we go. How's that feel? It does feel a little bit better. Go ahead and try to pull that smile all the way down into your right leg. Tell me how that feels now. See, right there. You see how it's like you're trying to push it down the front and it mm-hmm. won't let it go? It's like the hip socket's stuck, right? Right. That's, That's the right blockage. That's the blockage. That's exactly what you're looking for. So as you exhale, what I want you to do is let the whole entire muscle around that spot let go almost like there's velcro or glue that's keeping that muscle tight and you're Mm going to turn that into water and all the muscles are going to let go and it's going to fall that blockage is going to let go right out of the leg there you go keep that going let me help you out here i'm going to stretch that muscle on the front side That felt like a big adjustment on the back. How's that feel now? It does feel better. Good. You can tell there's still more blockage there that you can work on, but you know how to work on it now, right? I do. See, it's easy, isn't it? Yeah. I want to work on that, see how how much it helps. I know I heard it when I was a kid stage diving, so Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's where it came from. Remember how we were talking about how quantum reality means that consciousness can dictate the state inside or outside of time? Yeah. So if you were to go into a meditative state and physically put yourself into that stage dive right there, like you're watching yourself jump and then you're feeling the pain of the impact, Mm -hmm. that right there is going to physically connect you into that point in time. 
And then if you were to go in and make that whole entire space tingle and laugh and then rewrite that flow to where you stage dove and then everybody caught you and you never hit the ground and it was all fun, you had a great time, <laughs> it will actually rewrite the injury inside of your body. Yeah, I want to give that a try. Well, if you think about it, the body is constantly renewing itself. And right. so if we have a program that, that says that this right here is injured. And so whenever it replicates and the cells go through mitosis, it has to recreate the injury to keep it here. If we clean out that program as the body goes through mitosis, as you right. split those cells apart into something brand new and healthy, it's not creating that space anymore. And so it actually starts to go back and heal the injury because your body's like, well, why is this like this? It's not supposed to be here. I've always wondered why. Like I always hear like, you know, the body, you know, it basically renews itself about every seven years. You end up like mm -hmm. a new body, but yet you still have the same old injuries. Mm -hmm. That's so it has, to be, so it has to be held in consciousness somehow. Yes, sir. That's it right there. You nailed it. You know, and there's so many obvious things that we look at and we don't even think twice about it not being natural. You know, if we're constantly remaking our bodies, why do we have disease? Why do we have dysfunction? Why do we age? I don't know. It's all a program. Hmm. It's all a resonance. It's all a frequency. It's all intention. It's words that are not spoken. It's a feeling. It's a sensation. It's an energy. It's a resonance in the very DNA that builds our bodies in the way that they are. But it, that's a frequency. It's an energy. It's something that you know how to access now you just did it you cleaned out all kinds of stuff in what like four minutes five minutes yeah it, it reminds me also I, I don't know if you've ever read um the autobiography of yogananda i have not but but like a lot of the, it's, it's a story about like all these swamis in india at that time and all these different swamis had like some of these you know what we've considered like superpowers but i remember like one of them was one that like he would keep regenerating basically a new body and he lives like to like 200 years old and he, he basically just chooses when he wants to die. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's uh, it, it's actually kind of funny. I just had a really interesting um, activation, I believe about a week and a half ago now. Um, so the whole biological immortality, um, the, the way that the, the cells go through mitosis and break off and split into a new cell, uh, you know, they have a certain amount of splits before they start to degrade. And that's your, your telomere strands. And uh, the telomeres tell the cell how many times it can split before it starts to degrade. So why couldn't we add more telomeres? And I've got this, uh, this, this session that I do, it's called the crystal line organ and body rejuvenation where I take that tingling smile energy I just showed you how to activate and I move it around and through the entire organ and then I crystallize it and then I start ringing the the crystal and it creates this tone that I can follow into the organ into the DNA and see what it looks like brand new and healthy then bring that in and let the old drain out into the crystal and then transmute that crystal energy and let that drop out um, but anyway so I was playing around with that tone and that frequency inside of the DNA level. And it's like I tripped into my telomeres on accident. It was like the spirals of the DNA. I could feel them there. And then there was like the spiral inside of the cellular structure that was similar, but there was like a break in it. And I was just kind of messing around with it. And then all of a sudden it felt like a bolt of lightning struck the top of my head and went through my entire body. And it, they started to ring. They started to get stronger. And I'm, it, it was a really interesting detox that happened afterwards. Like, um, 
when you go through a high vibration activation, anytime that there's something stuck inside of you that can't stay inside of that high vibrational space, it'll release. It's called, it's called trauma release. Mm -hmm. And I had uh, a core of grief that was inside of my chest. I didn't even realize was there that came purging out right there. And so once that was done, I, I felt like this lightning fire on the outside of my field that was falling into my body. And ever since then, it's, uh, I, it's been really interesting with energy work since then with uh, clients and whatnot, because not only am I a lot stronger, uh, I'm seeing things that I couldn't even see before. And I really think I accidentally just kind of strummed the string of biological immortality right there. And I think I can actually show people how to walk into this now too. So that's something I'm still working on right now. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I've got to get like volunteers together and I'm going to make a class and whatnot. And uh, I'll walk people through it and see the results and, and see if there's a better way that I can do it. And uh, then I'll start actually helping people out with this. But I really think that there's no reason why we have to die. Unless we choose to, I think. Yeah, unless we choose to. But yeah. I mean, that's when we choose to. I think our lifetimes here in the way that everything's set up, they're way too short. Way too short. I think we need at least four or 500 years inside of this body to really start to truly understand the lessons of soul and why we're here and what is supposed to happen. Uh, because, you know, we just keep on resetting and then we don't have enough time to learn uh, and, and build on that learning, you know? And that's... I think one of the biggest programs that we've got on this planet right now that creates the situation why we are in this situation is we don't have enough, you know, true elders. You know, we have a bunch of old people, but an elder would be somebody who has existed inside of what we would look at as like a 30 year old body for centuries. Yeah. And also in, in, um, in like the Hindu and Buddhist cultures too, they have this thing um, where when somebody, if somebody who's like, you know, has done a lot of spiritual work and has, met, you know, figured out ways to manage their energy and, and, and share their enlightenment, um, when they do choose to pass away, usually like two things happen. One is um, during the, the person, the dead, the, the corpse will actually smell like flowers. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that the corpse doesn't decay. Oh, how interesting. Huh. It, it, it just stays. Like, you know, like a lot of times like these guys will die meditating and nobody will even notice. Oh, wow. Huh. No, I've uh, never actually even heard that. You know, it's really funny. I used to be into a lot of the... Um, the information out there. And I went through probably about three and a half to four years of what I call my in information junkie stage. And then I ran out of information to learn. And it's like, well, what's next? You know, and that's mm -hmm. when I started to apply it. And it's really funny because I haven't really looked into anybody ever since then. And that was, uh, you know, 2014, 2013. And it's, it's so fun to, to start just doing these things and figure stuff out like this and then have people tell me, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, that's, that's exactly like what these guys talk about. It's like, no, I, I didn't actually. That's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's validation, definitely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, that, sure. That, that, you're, that you're heading in, in the, following in the same footsteps as, you know, people before you. And the activations and things that you're doing and feeling. You know, yeah. you know, you know, like, like that guy, 
that you met at the convention, you know, you said, oh, that's impossible. Nobody could do that. He was probably wrong. There's probably been people before you that could do that. Yeah. Yeah. I guarantee you. I'm not you know. the only one. I, I can show people <laughs> how to do this, but I guarantee you other people are figuring it out just like I did too. Yeah. And I probably people, you know, since the beginning of people have been. I, I don't know. I really don't. You know, there might have been some very special people along the, the timeline, but the past maybe about 50 years has been the opening that has allowed a lot of this in. Um, you know, like take for instance myself, uh, I didn't have to go spend 25 years out in the wilderness to, you know, start activating these frequencies like they used to have to do, you yeah. know, like it, and it's, it, it's definitely those people were the ones who kind of carved the path, but I really don't think these are people that we know about. Like, I mean, we hear about like Jesus and Buddha and Muhammad and stuff like that. Like these guys who, um, you know, they, they spent a, a certain amount of time under the tree of knowledge or in a cave or in the desert and they came back preaching a new law. Um, I don't think those are the people that we're talking about. I think that those were the, the, the placeholders. They were seeding the collective to hold on to the energy long enough for then the next generation to come in who could actually do that stuff uh, but not on the, because um, I, I really truly believe that those people, it was the collective that they ended up being able to 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 hijack and channel. And hijack's a really bad word, uh, actually, for that. It's it's like they they took the collective of all the energy of the people and the faith and the excitement of what they were doing, and that was what allowed them to do a lot of the stuff that they did. Uh -huh. uh, and what's happening now is we're seeing people able to do that individually by themselves. And they don't need a massive group of people that have a figurehead to direct that energy. They can do that on their own now. And it's never been this way. Uh, like within the past 50 years, this has all started to open up here. And it was uh, actually the, the Vietnam War that almost completely shut down that opening uh, because it was our next generation of sacred male healers that uh, got shipped off and um, got really, really messed up and not able to hold on to the frequency that they were able to use to, to create the evolution because it's really been, it's like the generation before carved the steps that the next one was energetically able to get onto. And we're finally up to the top of it. And uh, it's like, it, it's like the, the flood started, you know, you can't stop it anymore. And it's intense enough now to where, you know, people like me spontaneously start figuring it out. And I am not special. I am not, I'm not a guru. I'm not a master. I'm, I'm somebody who was lucky enough to be stubborn enough to stick with something. <laughs> you know, like that's it. Like that's literally it. And I guarantee you there's other people like that out there too. Absolutely. But you definitely are articulate. Like you have a way of explaining something, um, yeah. you know, that's not physical. Well, that's because when I'm actively communicating on this level right here, I'm energetically connected into it as well. And so it's not like I'm, I'm trying to guess what's going on. I'm literally right there describing what I'm feeling. So when you do some of this work like remotely, is it like astral projection? Kind of. Uh, it's more along the lines of physical projection though. So uh, here, go ahead and inhale that smile and that tingling sensation into your chest. And as you exhale push. You don't need to know where I'm at. You just need to know I'm right in front of you and build it up and push. And it's like you're trying to move that. There it is right there. You feel how you're almost like touching something right now? See, there it yeah. is. No, there it is. 
Uh, I want you to put your hand directly over one part of my body and make that the strongest laughter tingling sensation you can. And I'll see if I can pick it out for you. So I've got two places that are popping up right over my face and my left shoulder. Left shoulder. Yeah. See, that's it right there. That's how I do it. Incredible. It's really easy. It's just sensation. You just train yourself to become more sensitive to it. That's it. Most people are just stuck inside of their heads and they're so separated from sensation that they can't feel it. And so they'll try to do mind and spirit work without taking the body with them. And so you can't heal anything in the body because it's not there with you. That's fabulous. So where can my listeners find you? Um, I'm on YouTube on Unleashing Natural Humanity. There's all kinds of meditations, techniques, uh, yoga routines, uh, stuff like that to really kind of get your, your feet wet inside of these energy um, frequencies and just play around with it. Um, I believe I've got interviews up as well. I'm, I'm not quite certain. It's been a while since I looked at, uh, I looked at the YouTube channel other than uh -huh. just uploading stuff to it. Um, but my website is Unleashing Natural Humanity again. Um, uh, unleashingnaturalhumanity.com. You can go to Facebook and find me under Eric Rains and Unleashing Natural Humanity. Um, I, I believe on a, I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn, Unleashing Natural Humanity. Pretty much Unleashing Natural Humanity. You type it in, you'll probably find me. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm like that. Every, I'm like that too. I'm on platforms that I don't even know. Yeah. Well, you know, it's one of those things like ah, I might, I might get to this someday. Honestly, what it is is we're trying to find a platform that uh, integrates everything in so I could just post one thing and it goes to everything else. And uh, my wife is looking into that for me, but I, I just don't like electronics. And so I, I post things and then I try not to talk online. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, I just do podcasts and, you know, I mean, I do a lot of marketing on Facebook, mainly Facebook, yeah. but not so much on all the other platforms. It, if, I, if I were to do that, it would take me all day long. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's why we need just one place that it brings it all back to that one spot. That, that's why I, I would just much rather spend my time creating more content that's going to improve people's lives and you know give yes, them sir. stuff to think about. Yes, sir. That's that's the name of the game right there. We've got to we've got to we've got to contribute. You know, we have to be more value to the planet than we're taking. Absolutely. Well, thanks for being on, man. It was great talking to you. Thank you for having me. This was a really fun interview. I, I really enjoyed this. Awesome. All right. And I'm going to call that a wrap. Stay on for one second. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. Please like and review this podcast on whatever platform you are using. It helps this podcast move up in the ranks and easier for people to find. Also, tell your friends, family, co-workers, and even that weird uncle. Which I'll be that weird uncle. If anyone wants to be a guest, you can email me at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My website is www.everythingimaginable2020.com. And Patreon is patreon.com forward slash everything imaginable. You can make a donation to support this podcast. Remember, everything that is was first imagined. Thank you for listening and see you next week. You know, yes, you can also buy my book, Enlightenment Guarantee, 
the only book on Zen you'll ever need. It's available on Amazon, Kindle, and paperback.